What are you known for? Listen to today's episode of the Public Speaking Superpowers podcast to find out how you can be known for something as a speaker. Hello, and welcome to the Public Speaking Superpowers podcast. This is your host, Karma Spence, author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Public Speaking Superpowers. Today, my guest is Mark McDonald. He is a church brand strategist for BeKnownForSomething.com, a national church communication and branding agency, coaching pastors and churches to become relevant in their community. He's the best-selling author of the book, be known for something. And for more than 30 years, Mark has served as pastor, marketing VP, creative director, and strategist in one of Eastern Canada's largest agencies. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Well, it's so great to meet you. And we got to talk a little bit before you started to record. And that's usually the most fun part. Absolutely. So the audience can kind of get to know you a little bit. You're the author of Be Known for Something, which is why I invited you, because I think as as speakers, we all need to be known for something in order to be effective and successful as a speaker. So tell us a little bit about that message and how you wrote that book and how your message can apply to speakers. Well, it's really a crazy path. And I think that we all get on this, uh, you know, a pathway that at the end you think, wow, I, I'm successful at this. Now, how <laughs> did I get here? And, and really the book focuses on trying to decide what, what you should be known for so that by the time that you get there, you've actually created the path rather than look back and just kind of allowed a whole lot of circumstances to get you there. And in my background, I mean, for, wow, it's been 34 years now, I've been working in communications and in graphic design in branding. And I really, I focus, my, my day job is uh, focusing on the church audience and talking to a lot of pastors and a lot of people who lead churches. And when I started talking to them about branding, a lot of them pushed back to say, well, I have a logo, so I don't really <laughs> need too much more than that, right? And so what I realized was the more I talked to them about branding, the more they would stop listening. And, and that's not a good thing. So I thought, how do I focus on something that would make them pay attention? And that's how Be Known for Something was birthed because I started asking pastors, so what are you known for in your community? And they would go, oh, that's interesting. And that, <laughs> that's really what we're talking about today. It's how do you say something to an audience and have them listen rather than ignore you? And, yeah. and if, if you can get to a point where you're known for something that is engaging to your particular audience, then, uh, you know, the, they, they lean in. And I love when, when I'm, you know, I'm speaking to a crowd and I can, I can see them lean in or they, you know, they pull out their phones and you can see them tapping away and you know that they're taking notes. And, and I mean, that's, that's where my heart is, is to try to, to actually engage an audience rather than to just, well, what the perception of communication is, which isn't probably the right perception. Right. Well, you know, you raise an interesting point here because, you know, most speakers, they know their topic, but 
like you, are they talking about their topic in a way their audience responds to? So how, how did you find the right way to speak to your audience and how can other speakers learn to do the same for their audiences? Well, and what a great question, because sometimes your audience is determined for you and sometimes you have to determine what audience you're looking for. And if somebody's seeking to become a speaker, you know, and I get to speak across the country and talk to some really large groups and do a lot of podcasts. And I always like, I'm always interested in, so who am I going to be speaking to? Because they're, it's usually chosen for me. Right. But in some way, when they promote you know, that Mark McDonald is coming and he's a best-selling author or he's the executive director for Center for Church Communication or he's a church brand strategist. Like all of those things immediately attracts an audience, but sometimes it's the nuance of that audience that's really critical to understand. And I think that we as speakers, if you really want to engage with an audience, you have to understand that audience. And, and I, you know, I love to say that effective communication rises and falls on how well you know your audience. So if you know a particular audience and you fully understand or get into their heads so that you can know their needs or concerns or goals, then you can become a path, a solution to, you know, the needs and concerns or a path to their goals. And if you can do that, then there's a almost a magical connection that happens between your audience and you on stage. And I think you understand that, you know, there's, it's almost like a sixth sense where you can feel that connection. And, and as soon as you get that connection, then it's just a matter of, you know, telling stories to engage. And what I like to say is you become their pain expert, which if you talk someone's pain somebody will pay attention. And in today's world, there's just an awful lot of noise out there. There's so much information and there's so much communication that happens yeah. that, that oftentimes the, you know, people just pull back and they're, they're almost in an ignore atmosphere where it's like, they're just waiting for somebody to break through with, with a message that, that makes them pay attention. And I've found that if you talk their pain, then they'll actually pay attention. So how do you find that out if the audience is chosen for you? I mean, I know for this podcast, I literally told you, this is my audience and this is what I know about them. But that's not always the case when you get up to speak. Yeah, you have to make a lot of assumptions, and, uh, you know, demographics, like I, I like to, I like to believe that there are things that people control and there's things that people don't control. So things that they don't control, they can't control their age. So as soon as somebody says to me, if I'm, if I'm sitting down and I'm talking to somebody and I know that they're in, in their twenties right now, I understand that most people have graduated from college at that age and they're nowhere close to settling down. And a lot of this has to do with, you know, understanding the demographics of various people and really just stereotypically putting them into that class. So I know that a 20-something is trying to find themselves. By the time that they're 30, they usually are trying to get married. And then within two to three years, by the time they're 33, then they're thinking about kids. So if I sit and I talk to somebody who's in their mid thirties, 
I'll just say, so do you have kids? And that is their life. <laughs> and so if I see a group of people in front of me that are in their 40s or 50s, as soon as you know, I can kind of do the math. So in their 40s, they're looking forward to their kids leaving their house. <laughs> and by the time that they're in their 50s, they're thinking, wow, how do I do this empty nest situation the best way possible? So I kind of like I have to stereotypically and it's called personas. And in the communication industry, these personas are things that we can instantly classify or stereotype a group of people and then quickly go to, so what are their needs or what are their concerns and what are their goals? So if I know, okay, they probably are married and they probably have young kids, I'll say, so are you tired all the time? And instantly I get a connection because there's that pain, which I have experienced, Mm -hmm. And I can quickly go to something that their demographics has allowed them to have as a pain. Or it might be if they're in their 20s, if I say, um, so have you found the perfect job yet? <laughs> All of a sudden it's like, oh, I, I'll, I just instantly get a connection with a 20 something and they lean in and it's all because of their, their demographics. And then mm. you have your psychographics, which are the things that they have a little bit more control over where it's more along the lines of trying to figure out, okay, is is it based upon their demographics? What are the things that they're thinking about? And what are the things that are shaping them? And if I can jump onto that and start talking about those pains or their goals, uh, they really want to lean in because what everybody's trying to do today is, okay, I have these problems in my life. You, you have a solution. And if I can start t- talking solutions after engaging, and, and, and I have to emphasize that it's after engaging. So when I stand in front of an audience, I try to talk pain at the very beginning, because if I can say, I understand where you're coming from, people will listen to me longer. If I then make the shift and start saying, I've been there, I know what you're going through all of a sudden people lean in a little bit more and then it's like, but wait, wait, I think I figured it out. And then they, then there's <laughs> almost an instant connection and an engagement, which then pivots you to, uh, you know, a, a raving applauding audience. Right. Now, a lot of the people in my audience are like brand new or aspiring speakers. So they aren't going to have this chosen audience yet because they haven't established what they're known for, so to speak. What kind of advice would you give a new or or aspiring speaker so that they can like basically coalesce what they're good for, what what they want to speak about and create this audience that they will attract? And now for a quick commercial break. If public speakers were superheroes, what would their superpowers be? They could be passion, authenticity, voice, and more. And what's even better, you can have them too. You may ask, who me? Yes, you. Order your copy of Public Speaking Superpowers on Amazon today. Find out more at publicspeakingsuperpowers.com. And now back to the podcast. What kind of advice would you give a new or, or aspiring speaker so that they can basically coalesce what they want to speak about and create this audience that they will attract. 
Well, and I, I like to say that everybody needs to figure out three things. They need to understand their audience. They need to master their passion, and then they need to discover a thread. And so if they really don't know who their audience is, I would say, look around you, see who naturally gravitate towards you. And then, you know, <laughs> I, I'm always, and I'm sure that you're, you're in the same boat where people say, you know what, I would like to do this. And it's like, really, have you ever done that before? No. Have a lot of people listen to you about that? Well, no, but I would love to do it. And I think that everyone likes to, you know, we, this is, this is the superpowers. Everyone likes to put that cape on and become somebody totally new and different. Maybe people would be interested in you for being you, like the things that, yeah, I know, isn't that crazy? And the thing is, is that working away from the audience, if you can't control your audience or you're looking for an audience, when you master your passion, like, and, and whether that's a passion or a product or a big idea, there might be something that, that you're thinking right now that people need to hear. And if it becomes something that you can, based upon understanding that and mastering that, you can start thinking, so who needs to hear this? And then the branding person, the marketer in me <laughs> says, is that group big enough? And if it's not big enough, then maybe you have to go back and master or expand on that passion. And then you need to, you know, based upon, you know, that potential audience and, and what you're, you're thinking about, your big idea, then you just got to figure out, what is your thread? Well, how do you discover that thread? And that thread needs to connect a lot of the dots so that if somebody were to say, so why would we have you come and speak? You can say something in three to five words that would get them to say, oh, that's interesting. Similar to the way that, that uh, you and I connected, it's really about saying less so that people listen more. And the right people will listen because they hear their pain or they, they hear, like, you know, if they're in charge of an audience, they go, oh man, that would really connect with my audience. And so that's why you have to really start with the audience and then you have to look at, okay, so what, what's the experience that you've had in your life that might connect with that audience? And then how do I say it in a really clear, concise way that makes you known for something that's beneficial? That's very powerful. And when you first started, say you said, know the audience, master your passion. I'm thinking, well, shouldn't you do the master your passion first? But the way you described it, it sounds like it's kind of a, at the same time or an iteration of back and forth. It really is. And, and a, a lot just has to do with whether you're delivered an audience or whether you're trying to seek an audience. And weirdly enough, I have never really felt like I have sought the audience. It's usually the audience is given to me. And so in, you know, in my situation, I, knowing that audience is going to be there, I have to make sure that I'm mastering the passion. And, and then I call it, you know, once you've discovered your thread, I call it put on your thread glasses. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, if you want to become known for something, then start noticing that something everywhere you go. Because in order to engage, you have to be able to, to share a story which will connect people. 
And that story needs to be something that they haven't heard before. And, and again, isn't, this, isn't it crazy that I even have to say this, but oftentimes I hear stories repeated that anybody could tell. Yeah. And maybe, maybe you have had a unique situation in your life that will connect you with your audience. And if you can connect on the pain level or on the goal level, then you will have them wanting to listen more. Exactly. And even if it's a story that is, you know, boy meets girl, it's, it's a story that everybody has, there's a way to layer your uniqueness upon it. So there it really is your version of Boy Meets Girl. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, good storytelling, you need to have a villain. And so, you know, whether you bring out the villain that you have, and then you say, you just stop and say, man, I know how that affected me. What's your issue? Mm-hmm. Who's that person that, that is, is affecting your story? And if you can pivot from your personal story into their personal story. Exactly. And again, it all depends on how big the audience is. You know, when I'm speaking to hundreds of people or even thousands of people, like there's a part of me that wants to just go, okay, can we just talk? I want to hear your story. Like, would someone put up your hand? Like, I I love that engagement where people who are just starting out, when they have 10 or 12 people that they're speaking to, what a gift you're given because you can, with your sixth sense, be able to say, I see you have a question. And if you can stop and just say, does that make sense? Do you Mm -hmm. have a question with that? And get some engagement that way. And again, it all depends on how, you know, what the, the setup is. But even if you can't ask them, you need to almost voice it for them. So, you know, if I see a lot of people go, what was that? Like, like <laughs> I can almost feel the pullback, then I can go, okay, I sense that you guys don't understand this. And instantly they are all going, oh, I'm glad because I thought <laughs> I was the only one. And then it's, you know, taking a step back, walking through it. And what I try to do is if I've just told a personal story, I try to tell their story. So if there's a question in their mind, then it's like, okay, so let me take it from your vantage point. Perhaps you're, and then I try to give that stereotypical understanding of who that audience is. And then I say, and maybe your concern here is this. Well, if it is, then possibly from what you just heard from my life, maybe this is the solution. And I, I mean, it, it almost sounds so ridiculously simple. But it really is just trying to pivot from pain points to solutions or from goals to paths. Right. Well, we're, we're coming up near the end here. I just have two more questions. One is, this is the beginning of a new year. We've just had a really hard year in 2020. We're now in 2021. You've got a new speaker who's decided, okay, I'm going to make 2021 mine. What is your best advice? What's the first thing you think they should be doing in order to grow that speaking career the way they want? Oh, master your passion. And part of mastery is focusing. And I'm all about focus. Be known for something, one thing. (laughs) And Karma, you and I talked about this before we started. I've always been accused. Everybody says, wow, you're a jack of all trades. And it's like, oh, but we all know master of none comes right after that. 
And it's like, no, but really master one thing. I love kind of understanding a lot of different topics, but I have a passion. Like I, you, like as soon as somebody wants to talk about one thing in my life, it's like, ah, I could talk to you for a long time. Like tonight, I actually, I'm speaking to a, a large audience and they said, so how long do you need? And I said, how long do you have? And said, <laughs> well, we'll probably do a dinner and maybe you can start talking while dinner's winding down can you do two hours? And I said, sure. Like that's there's just, because I know the, mm -hmm. the audience I'm going to be speaking to, I know exactly how to engage them. We can have a little bit more interactivity when there's a, you know, a longer period of time. And it really is trying to focus on like, start with your strengths. Like, don't go out like, you know, a lot of people come up to me afterwards and they're like, oh my goodness, I would love to be you. And I said, <laughs> well, you'll never be me. <laughs> Right. But you can be you and you just need to figure out and focus on something that makes your heart happy. And if you can do that, and then of course you have to quickly pivot to, so does anyone care about that? Because, <laughs> there is that. Because if you're into, you know, knitting quilts for kittens and you want to talk to everybody about that, well, are there enough kittens out there that need quilts? <laughs> exactly. And like, you just have to, you just got to figure out, so is there a big enough audience? And then once you know that audience or you've identified that audience and you put your thread glasses on and you start listening for as many stories as possible and collecting those and writing them down, because you will forget, I promise you. So just write them down as much as possible. Then what you need to do is, you, and this is going to sound really crazy, but fall in love with that audience. Mm, like yes. just get to a point where you enjoy being around them. You enjoy listening to them. You enjoy hearing from them and don't expect to be put in front of a large group until you know individuals in that group, because mm. It's that individual relationship, which will go an awful long way when you get in front of a large group. Yeah, very true. So last question, how would someone get to know a little bit more about you and maybe pick up a copy of your book? Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I, it's an, it's an Amazon bestseller. So you can go to Amazon and get it. It's be known for something. It's reconnect with your community by revitalizing your reputation. Or you can go if there's like if for anybody who wants to buy multiple packs, there's discounts on my website for beknownbook.com. And then my main website is beknownforsomething.com. And then on almost every social media that's out there, I'm Mark Mac 1023, which is my birthday. And, uh, <laughs> and so you can go there. I even have a Pinterest page, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Maybe sometime we'll have to talk about how you can develop an audience based upon your social media. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I lied. I have one last question. Your market, the people you serve are faith-based communities, pastors. But it sounds like your book would probably be good for someone who was not in that audience. I just want to make sure that's true before I send people off to buy it. Oh, absolutely. So when I wrote the book, being the focused person that I am, I did not focus it. I had it <laughs> so that we talked about individuals. If you're an individual, here's how you can be known for something. If you're an organization, a business, here's how you can be known for something. And here's your church. 
then when it went through the editing process and my publisher started talking to me about it, he said, you don't know who your audience is. I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and he said, you need to focus on one audience. And it's like, crap, that's what I, that's what I, I tell people all the time. <laughs> so I've actually carved off the personal side and the business side. Hopefully I'll be writing a personal edition of Be Known for Something soon. In 2021, perhaps I might get yeah. it done. Um, but... <laughs> But but really, as you read through it, yes, I talk to pastors and I talk to people in faith-based organizations, but just substitute yourself in there. And really the principles are the same all the way through, whether it's a person or whether it's a, a business or, or a faith-based organization. Perfect. Well, it's, it's good to know that even successful people like you sometimes don't even follow your own advice. <laughs> Often. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, thank you so much for being my guest on the Public Speaking Superpowers podcast. Uh, the pleasure was all mine. 